Hello, and welcome to another teaching by 119 Ministries. Our ministry teaches that the whole Bible is still true and directly relevant in our lives. If you would like to know more on what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. Are you ready? 
The Father is good. And all the time, He is good. Amen. All right. A couple things. Let's um, go straight, if you don't mind, to... Oh, before we get started too much, I want you to know, I come from a Pentecostal background, so feel free to say a hearty amen every once in a while. Okay. All right. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 13, and it goes like this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. The title of this message is simply, Aliens and Strangers. Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you. We are so thankful for your word, for this day that you've given us. Right now, Father, we ask that you will open every single one of our hearts. Help us, Father, to hear your word and let it take root into all of our lives. We can get so busy, Father, we know. And we can get so carried away on our thoughts and how things should go and how this, that, and the other. But your word is there constantly, a constant, steady anchor to show us where to go, how to do, what to do. Help us, Father, we ask, to apply your word into our life. And Father, right now I ask that Every word that comes out of my mouth, let it be the very word to come straight from your throne. Nothing more, nothing less. We ask, Father, that you are magnified and glorified in all that is said and done. We want to hear from you, Father. I pray, Father, you minister to me as well as through me. Help us all to grow this day in Yeshua's name. And everyone agree by saying, Amen, amen and Amen. You know, I, I once heard that the body of Christ is like a box of cereal. It's filled with nothing but fruits, flakes, and nuts. Take your pick, and well, as long as you're following the Father, that's all that matters. It's kind of funny because, you know, someone may consider me a fruit. Well, the person next to you might consider them a nut. The bottom line is, are we all pursuing the Father? Amen? What does it mean, though, to be aliens and strangers? I mean, think about it. You know, um, it's about being different. We know that. But it's about not conforming to the pattern of this world. Thus, we are aliens and strangers where we're at. Consider Romans chapter 12. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, this is renewing of your mind. The mind is the battlefield. The mind is where the battles take place. The mind is where you choose and not choose. The mind is where you determine, you dwell, you think on things. And the enemy knows this. Now, can the enemy read your mind? No. However, he can read your face and know what you're dwelling on. And he'll keep feeding those thoughts. If he can think, even remotely thinks, you're dwelling on these things. He's feeding it to you. Now, Here's a thought to remember, to th consider. I'm going to even write this down. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a destiny. One more time. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a destiny. 
Where else are we encouraged to be aliens and strangers? Consider. First Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. <laughs> it wars against your soul. Wow. What a perspective. If we think about this, what would our lives look like if we truly considered that sin wars against your soul? How would our lives look like? It, would they look any different if we considered this thought and took it to heart? You know, um, Speed and his family, was, he, he just came in uh, to, from Israel this last week, and he was telling me how stressful it's been, his job and stuff. And then he says, and on top of all that, just a couple weeks ago, we were getting bombed left and right from Gaza Strip. He lived real close to the Gaza Strip. And we were just talking about it. I was just blown away at that, you know, having a stressful job and different things around you. And then all of a sudden, you got to worry about bombs coming in at you. What a thought. But if we think about it, spiritually speaking, we're being bombarded every day. And the sad part is, most often, you don't even pay attention to it. Ah, no big deal. We're walking around. We think it's nothing to it. And we don't allow that to affect our actions, affect how we live, what we do, our decisions. Should we be based on these things going on around us, but all too often, we just think nothing of it. Amen? And we're all guilty of it at one point or another. Now, our theme for this Sukkot is simply called titled Closer. How do we get closer? I mean, let's face it. We're called to walk a path we can't see with our eyes. We're called to hold a hand that we can't feel with ours. We're called to listen to a voice that we can't hear with our ears. So what's the answer for us? How do we get closer to the Father? Is it all in just reading and praying? It's part of it. But I mean... How do we get closer? Now, I'll come back to that thought in just a minute. We know that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Consider, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. Amen. So how do we earnestly seek him? Have you ever asked yourself, well, how do I do this? I mean, we just start walking around going, Marco! Oh, there's God! You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, there's a, something we got to do. We need to pursue and realize that there's something on our side that we have got to pursue. Because he rewards those who do it. Now, again, is it all about just reading and praying? Maybe not. It's not how much you read, folks. It's rather how much you pursue of what you read. Are you with me? It actually goes hand in hand. Separation is all about having, I want you to get this, write this down. Separation is all about having a conscious faithfulness to Yahweh. A conscious faithfulness to Yahweh. That is a huge element to the separation that the Father wants us to have. A conscious faithfulness to Him. Now. A few weeks ago, just before we left and coming here, I was working late doing some stuff, and it was like one in the morning, and I said, you know, I go to bed, so I went to take my shower, I took my shower, and went to reach for my towel, and I just happened to glance down, 
and I see this scorpion in the shower with me. I'm going, oh, my stars. And it hit me. I'm going, how long has he been in there? Now, if you don't know anything about scorpions, scorpions hate water. They, they are, to my understanding, because that's when we know that scorpion season in Costa Rica is always in the dry season, not the wet season. When it rains, no worries, don't worry about it. When the dry season, that's when they start coming out and they start getting in the house. And so when we were in the rain season, it totally caught me off guard. And here he is in the shower. He's probably freaking out because he's in this water. I'm going, i got to keep my distance from this dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so the question is, though, what could be in our life that doesn't belong there? And we don't even really pay attention. We don't even know it's there, much like the scorpion. It may seem harmless right now, but in the end, it may sting. Now... To get closer to Yahweh, we need to get farther from the world. And please know, things don't have to be sin in your life to draw us away from the Father. Did you hear that? Things don't have to be sin in your life to draw you away from the Father. It really doesn't. Now, consider the next verse. Hebrews chapter 12 again. Actually, I read this earlier. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us did you catch that look what it says it says everything that hinders and the sin so there's two things that hinder us things and sin you can have things in your life that are not sin but they're preventing you from growing closer to the father are you hearing me this morning now, you know, and I'm not talking about going on a witch hunt and stuff like this. Oh, we got to do this, we got to do that. It's all about simply examining our lives on a regular basis. That the Father could be trying to talk to us. Where are we listening? Are we listening on every element of our life or just different spots that we want to listen to? How many times have you ever read a verse and I'll say, maybe it pricked your heart and you go, hmm, let's go over here. Oh, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? There are things that we can read, and you know the Father's talking to you, and He wants you to listen. What could be in your life the Father is trying to talk to you about? Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, which we just read, it, it, it just reminds me a lot of my son. Because Levi has got some little trucks, and these trucks, I forgot what they're called, but they're little and they're four by fours. And they don't you have, you have to push them and roll and stuff. Well, he loves getting with them, have one on each hand. And then he literally gets down on the floor and puts all of his weight on those two trucks and then runs. Just pushes them really hard. I'm like, oh, man, Levi, hey, what are you doing? He goes, what? I'm playing. I go, yeah, yeah, you know, um, let's not, I'd rather you not do that, okay? He stands there and goes, I, I'd really rather you not. He goes, but I can. I, well, I'd really rather you not do that, Okay. But I can. It's like you're saying, okay, you're not saying I can't. Okay, so I can, right? Okay, you'd rather me not, but I'm going to go ahead. How often do we do that to the Father? He goes, hey, 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 you know, I know that's not sin, but I'd rather you not have that in your life. And we're going, but I can. You know what I'm saying? When it's not going to be beneficial for our life. It may not be sin, I agree, but is he pricking your heart saying, you know what? You don't need it. So why have it? Consider 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are to be constantly growing in Him. So are we. We all know that we have something in our life to work on. We all do. We're all at different stages. We're, you may be here. I may be here. They may be over here. We're all at different walks in the Father. The question is, are we pursuing a closer walk in the Father? Are we, or are we just making excuses for what we have in our life? And that's an amen or an oh me on that one. Now, consider the words of John the Baptist. He says, he must become greater, I must become less. John 3.30. Again, he must become greater, I must become less. So what does that mean? What does John, what's he talking about? He must become greater, I must become less. Let me give you a small illustration that I like to use. Consider this box your life. This box is you, okay? It's your walk where you're at. Now, let's just say, for example, that this cross represents the time when you come to the truth. This box represents you now have come to the truth. Now, from this moment forward, you should start becoming less, and he should start becoming more, correct? So, with that in mind, knowing that from the moment we come to truth, this is what we should start looking like. He should start growing with ever, ever more and more, and us being squeezed out every day, a closer and closer walk. So the more we walk in Him, the more we look like Him. He becomes more, we become less. Now, are we doing this? All of us should be pursuing. I mean, let's think about all of our lives. Are we closer today than we were a year ago? Are we closer today than we were two years ago, a month ago? Are we truly gauging our walk? Because we should be. If we're, if we're fine with the status quo, that's just in the red flag for all of us. Okay, now, how sad it is when the fish catch the fishermen. How sad it is when the heirs of the master accept the bondage of the slaves. How sad it is when one who holds the keys joins those in the cell. You know, it's staggering to even imagine these taking place in real life. But all too often, it happens in the spiritual. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be entrapped by the things of the world, and we don't even realize that we're doing it. Things come in, and next thing you know, we're accepting that bondage as a part of life. When in reality, others are saying, no, no, it's not. You know, compromise is that forbidden bridge that joins obedience to disobedience. It's the act that turns your white to gray. It's that point in time when our purity becomes polluted. Compromise is just a little bit of yeast that works through the whole batch of dough. Compromise is the poison that has taken one drop at a time and we think nothing of it, leading us to believe all is well until it's too late. I mean, think of it this way. You know, we think, oh, it's just a, you know, here's the question, that I, a phrase we all, always hear, and we may even say it. Well, it's not that bad. Well, how bad does bad have to be until bad is considered bad? How bad does bad have to be until bad is considered, oh, that's bad. 
I mean, example. I could give you a glass of water. You go, oh, thank you so much. Go, yeah, no worries, no problem. Just got a little, just got one drop of poison. You're okay. You go, oh, well, it's better than a whole glass of poison, right? I mean, that's bad. Hey, but one drop, it's not that bad. Would you drink it? I hope not. <laughs> but how often do we do that in the real world? We think, oh, you know, it's just, it's just a little bit, just a little bit, and then we realize until it's too late. We all know when the Father's knocking on the heart. We all know when he's pricking us on a certain topic. Do we accept those convictions? Or do we think, it's not that bad. Father, you know. <laughs> nah, it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you're just joking. <laughs> we rock on. Do we make excuses for these things? Or do we face them head on and say, hmm, this is actually true. And we face it head on. And we've all got something in our... And again, remember, it doesn't have to be sin. It can be something so... What we would consider minor. But he wants us to be what? Perfect. We will, he wants us to be like him. Becoming more and more like him, less and less of us. And if we're to walk like strangers and aliens in this world, we can't have anything of the world on us. Now... Question. If someone was to follow your example in every aspect of your life, I'm talking every aspect, how would you view them? If someone was to follow your example of your life in every aspect of your life, how would you view them? Changes perspective, doesn't it? An unholy world will never be converted by an unholy church. Many forget that the tribulation is designed to purify the church. It is. If we don't clean house, the time will come when he will. And he wants us to do it before he does. Now, consider. This is a, a true story. When we first got married, we lived in a fixer-upper house. I think it was like eight or 900 square foot on the first floor and had a bungalow bedroom upstairs where we, Angie and I had our bedroom. And I loved fixing things. I, I had tools, I, I was a fixer-upper kind of guy. I got that from my dad. I just loved doing it. I had all, and I, I even got most of his tools. And so all the baseboards, I replaced all the baseboards. I worked on some of the floors here and there. And we put new wallpaper up, we put new light fixtures up. We literally gutted the bathroom. I mean, took, took the walls down and everything. And I enjoyed doing it. And I didn't go like overnight. It was a process. Years here, there, and this. And well, the time came ten years later, and we're uh, expecting with our first child, Nicole. And so we had to move. And so immediately, I had to kick high gear on fixing up the house. And the one place where we always were at was the dining room. And it was the dining room. And we, we were, when we were youth pastors back then, we always had the kids over all the time. And the youth would do, was just fill that whole house. But they all would congregate in the dining room. And it was so funny because the dining room was the one last area that I never worked on. We had these two windows side by side, just like you're looking up there. And these windows were like, I had already replaced the windows themselves, but I never replaced the trim work. In fact, the trim work was actually kind of messed up because of me changing the windows. So we just put the curtains over. Hey, no one sees it. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. And so 
the time came, I had to fix it up. I knew we were going to move. That was a huge, you know, area. It was like, oh, it looks gross. And so we, I fixed it, worked it, you know, and I even had the wood downstairs in my basement for the last eight years. I, but I never worked on it, you know. And so finally I fixed it up, and then it looked really good. I, I, I'm like, wow, this looks, so that's what a good window looks like, you know. And Angie looked at me, she goes, so it took 10 years to finally get this going, huh? It took us leaving the house to get you fixed up the house. And it was just so funny going, yeah, I guess it did. <laughs> and walked on, you know. But the thing is, there's a thing. The Father is saying, hey, look, I'm asking you, I'm showing you what to clean up in your life. I'm showing you different things. Yeah, it may not be sin, but this, this, and this, please work on it. Because the time is going to come when you won't get to work on it, he's going to do it. And, and I almost feel like we could be in that time right now where it's like if we're living in the end time, we're even remotely close to it, like we all think we could be. Should we have that urgency of like, okay, i got to get this fixed now. Like I, I knew I had to sell my house. i got to hurry to get this done. we got to sell this thing quick. And so the, I feel like we need to be in that mindset of, oh my goodness, what's now? we got to get this done quick because time is getting close. Now, all that being said, question, what's the difference between thermometers and thermostats? I'll tell you. One conforms to the temperature and the other makes the temperature. And the Father wants us to be thermostats, not thermometers. That is what we are called to be. To change the world around us, not let it influence us. To not let the world influence us in our decisions, how we act, how we talk, how we live. He wants us to change the world and how they act, how they talk, how they live. That's our goal. That was what we should be. Thermostats, not thermometers. Examine your life, or even right now, as we're talking and thinking things through. Are we allowing things to influence us, or are we influencing the world around us? Now, what happens when you sit around a campfire? You smell like a campfire. It's a given thing. You can't help but sit by the campfire just a little bit, a little bit, and then you walk away, and then someone's going to say, Whoa, where have you been? You've been to a campfire, haven't you? Yeah, you missed it. You missed it. Go, come on back. Go, go. It's all about they know where you've been. When you were on that campfire, they know it. When you spend time around the Father, people know it. Amen? We need to spend time with the Father so everyone can see us. Everyone can know where we've been and influence them instead of letting them influence us. Now, extreme sports. Have you ever watched them? <laughs> they're nuts! I mean, I love them. I love them to death, but I'm thinking they're crazy. And it's funny because I used to ride BMX, bicycle motocross, and I used to love doing it. Even did it when I was in my 30s. And now I look at these children, and I say children even though they're young, I mean, they're teens, 20s, and even their 30s doing crazy stuff like this. I think, how can they do that? But I'm glued to the TV when they do it. I mean, they go 20 feet in the air, 30 feet in the air. There's, there's one big competition we're watching. This guy's we're going easily 40 feet in the air above the ramp. And they're and they're moving around the bike and stuff. And I'm did it! Wow! And I'm just freaking out every time. You can't help but be glued. And your, your heart's jumping for them. And all of a sudden you go, to watch extreme sports. But the question is, how do they get that good? How do they do it? I'll tell you how they do it. Because it's the only thing they do. 
It's all they do. They get up in the morning and they practice. I remember watching this guy. He was, he was being interviewed and how he got to be so good. And he was saying how whenever he was a teenager, he would have his bike and he would take the wheels off his bike and he would put this foam, big thick foam over the forks over the back end of the frame where the wheels would be. And he would go out in his backyard and literally get on the trampoline with that bike. And he would be jumping up and down. He's on the bike and he's jumping up and down on the trampoline. He's going up and he flips here. And he goes up and he flips here. Constantly doing it. He said he, he would do that for hours on a day. And nothing. Then he put the wheels back on and they go out and do other stuff. So the thing is, they get so good by what? Doing it. That's all they did. They practiced it constantly. And the Father is asking us to do the same. He wants to, us to walk the holy walk and to be the example that people go, oh, I start trying doing that type of a situation. Living the extreme means walking the extreme. I can't help but think of the miracles that the New Testament believers did. They walked the extreme faith. That was their desire. What's your desire? Sometimes in getting closer to something, we have to get farther away from something else. Years ago, was a, a, a minister I, I, I knew real good, and he had a son, and the son was maybe eight, nine months old, whatever, and the baby was sitting in this real big chair, and he was holding on to one of the arms of the chair. And he was looking over, and he could see the other arm. And it's so funny, he was holding on to this arm while trying to reach the other arm. And just he was reaching it with everything he could, and he just, just couldn't get it. Because why? He's holding on to this arm. If he would have let go of this, he could have grabbed this. But this was too comforting, and that was too scary. The, the in-between zone, you know what I'm saying? But the Father is saying, if you want more of me, you've got to let go of this. And we can say, well, Steve, look, we're walking toward, we're pursuing this, we're doing this. That's great. But there's always something for us to be working on, something that we're clinging on to that we don't want to let go just yet. And he's saying, if you can only imagine, if you can only imagine what I can do in you if you just let go. We can't live life focused on how close to the world we can be. We should focus on seeing how close we can live to the Father. Walking on the edge can be very dangerous. Why take the chance? Is it really worth it? You know, you may be out of Egypt, but is Egypt out of you? And let's face the facts. When, when Moses brought all those, the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was obvious that they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And we can all say, well, we're walking toward, now we're pursuing great. But what part of Egypt are you still struggling with? And we all have it at one point or another. Is Egypt out of you? You know, we could be very close to walking through the 42 months, just like they walked through the 42 cities of those 40 years. And we can't harden our hearts as they did, as Hebrews says, in their rebellion. Holiness is not just separation from the world. It's separation unto Yahweh. That's something to write down. Separation is not just not separation from the world. It's an element, but it's continued in separation unto the Father, Yahweh. Yahweh wants to do something awesome through all of us. Are we willing to be aliens and strangers to make that happen? It's time for all of us to be willing to hit the home run. Willing to hit the home run. Hitting the home run is simply obedience in our walk. And you can say, well, see, if I'm not sinning, it's great. 
But when the Father pricks your heart on something, are you obedient? At that very second, that very moment, are you quick to say, okay, what's he saying to me now? I need to think about this. Or are you quick to say, ah, no big deal, and we walk on. Hit the home run and listen to what he's saying. And let's focus on what he's saying for our life. Let's consider the text one more time. Hebrews chapter 11, 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when he died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. You can't be a fruit. You can be a fruit flicker enough. It doesn't matter. Just be holy. Pursue him. I want to close with a video. And in this video, it's a man by the name of David Wilkerson. Who's ever heard of David Wilkerson? This is an individual who has impacted my life in many ways. And the father took him home just a couple of years ago. I guess three or four now. And this was an individual who pursued the walk with the Father. I ask you to seriously get one-on-one with the Father right now. If you can even do this, imagine yourself at the plate and you're holding the baseball bat right in your hand and let him speak to you and let him give you the pitches that you need to hit the home run on and you be willing and honest with yourself. And that's why I ask while you listen and hear these words, let them ring in your heart, if you will. And I look at the whole religious scene today, and all I see are the inventions and ministries of man and flesh. It's mostly powerless. It has no impact on the world. And I see more of the world coming into the church and impacting the church rather than the church impacting the world. I see the music taking over the house of God. I see entertainment taking over the house of God. An obsession with entertainment in God's house, a hatred of correction and a hatred of reproof. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. Whatever happened to anguish in the house of God? Whatever happened to anguish in the ministry? It's a word you don't hear in this pampered age. You don't hear it. Anguish means extreme pain and distress. The emotion so stirred that it becomes painful. Acute, deeply felt inner pain because of conditions about you, in you or around you. Anguish. Deep pain, the sorrow, the agony of God's heart. We've held on to our religious rhetoric and our revival talk, but we've become so passive. All true passion is born out of anguish. All true passion for Christ comes out of a baptism of anguish. You search the scripture and you'll find that when God determined to recover a ruined situation, he would share his own anguish for what God saw happening to his church and to his people. And he would find a praying man and he would take that man and literally baptize him in anguish. You find it in the book of Nehemiah. Jerusalem is in ruins. 
How is God going to deal with this? How is God going to restore the ruin? Now, folks, look at me. Nehemiah was not a preacher. He was a career man. But this was a praying man. And God found a man who would not just have a flash of emotion, not just some great sudden burst of concern and then let it die. He said, no, I broke down and I wept and I mourned and I fasted. And then I began to pray night and day. Why didn't these other men, why didn't they have an answer? Why didn't God use them in restoration? Why didn't they have a word? Because there was no sign of anguish. No weeping. Not a word of prayer. It's all ruin. Does it matter to you today? Does it matter to you at all? That God's spiritual Jerusalem, the church, is now married to the world? That there's such a coldness sweeping the land? Closer than that, does it matter about the Jerusalem that's in our own hearts? The sign of ruin that's slowly draining spiritual power and passion? Blind to lukewarmness? Blind to the mixture that's creeping in? That's all the devil wants to do is get the fight out of you and kill it. So you won't labor in prayer anymore. You won't weep before God anymore. You can sit and watch television and your family go to hell. Let me ask you, is what I just said convicted you at all? There's a great difference between anguish and concern. Concern is something that you, that begins to interest you. You take an interest in a project or a cause or a concern or a need. I'm going to tell you something I've learned over all my years, 50 years of preaching. If it is not born in anguish, if it has not been born by the Holy Spirit, where when you saw and heard of the ruin, it drove you to your knees, took you down into a baptism of anguish where you began to pray and seek God. I know now. Oh my God, do I know it. Until I'm in agony. Until I have been anguished over it. And all our projects, all our ministries, everything we do. Where are the Sunday school teachers that weep over kids they know are not hearing and they're going to hell? You see, a true prayer life begins at the place of anguish. You see, if you, you set your heart to pray, God's going to come and start sharing your heart, His heart with you. Your heart begins to cry out, Oh God, your name is being blasphemed. The Holy Spirit's being mocked. The enemy is out trying to destroy the testimony of the Lord's faithfulness and something has to be done. There's going to be no renewal, no revival, no awakening until we're willing to let Him once again break us. Folks, it's getting late and it's getting serious. Please don't tell me. Don't tell me you're concerned when you're spending hours in front of internet or television. Come on. Lord, there's some need to get this altar and confess. I am not what I was. I am not where I'm supposed to be. God, I don't have your heart or your burden. I've been I wanted it easy. This won't be happy. 
But Lord, true joy comes. True joy comes out of anguish. There's nothing of the flesh will give you joy. I don't care how much money, I don't care what kind of new house there is. Absolutely nothing physical can give you joy. It's only what is accomplished by the Holy Spirit when you obey Him and take on His heart. Build the walls around your family. Build the walls around your own heart. Make you strong and impregnable against the enemy. God, that's what we desire. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. And Father, we want, we want to be closer. Father, I pray that you help us all to examine our lives every day. Help us, Father, to be honest with ourselves. If we can't be honest with ourselves, who can we be honest with? Help us, Father, to draw closer to you. To set the things of this world, though they may not be sin, help us, Father, to set things aside. Father, as we enter into this day, Father, help us to, to have our ears focused and attuned to you every moment of the day. We pray that you are magnified and glorified again in all we do and all we say. And help us, Father, to continue to draw closer to you over this peace of Sukkot. We thank you for it all. In Yeshua's name. And everyone agree by saying amen. amen and amen. Thank you so much for coming today. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations. For years, we've been told that Sunday is now the accepted day of the Lord. Ministers, pastors, teachers, all saying the same thing. But what if they were wrong? How can the fourth commandment be disregarded by millions every week? What scriptures are used for their defenses? If the Word of God truly stands forever, how can man's word dictate otherwise? What authorizes any man, church, or denomination to alter the Word of God? If the Sabbath was given to man, why should one ever think that God would take it away? Are you ready to confront your faith? Are you willing to let traditions fall? Learn what has been covered by centuries of man-made doctrines. Discover the truth as revealed in the scriptures of how the Sabbath is the sign between the Father and those who pursue after His ways. The Sabbath Day from 119 Ministries.